0: You're listening to Life and Leadership, a podcast designed to connect life and leadership today so that you can flourish tomorrow. And now your host, Daniel Kitchell. Welcome everyone to Life and Leadership. This is Pastor Daniel. I want to thank you so much for being with me today, where it's going to be my joy to help you lead with love so you will love to lead. Well, out in front of you today, we have a fantastic show lined up. My identical twin brother, Dustin, will be joining me. We're going to have a wide-ranging conversation about life and leadership in the home, as well as a deep discussion about fatherhood, and we're also going to talk about what it looks like to truly forgive someone that has wronged you. Throughout the talk, you're going to hear us laughing quite a bit. My brother is a lot funnier than I am, and so (laughs) out the gate, you'll see that immediately. And so laugh along with us. Enjoy the conversation. He'll give me a hard time. I'll give him a hard time. We're also going to share some very serious moments from our lives with you. And we believe those will make an impact upon you. And I think in our hearts, um, brother to brother, we just wanted to have an honest conversation about things we've gone through. We didn't script much at all. And so as we chat, it's just very real. (laughs) It's very raw. And we hope that you feel like you're listening to two brothers just having some lunch together. And maybe you're that. intrusive, weird person that's sitting at the table behind us, eavesdropping on the conversation. That's how natural we wanted it to feel. And we believe God used our conversation and he took it to where he wanted it to go. And we hope it does bless you and help you along the way. Well, when you get done, we just ask that you would share this out with someone that needs to hear it or could be blessed by it. We We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Google, we're on Amazon, we're on everywhere you want to listen to your music, your books, or your podcast. danielkitchell.com is a great place to go. On that website, you can check out every show we've ever done. We also have show notes and links to everything about the people I've interviewed. It's all there for you at danielkitchell.com. Well, before we get into the interview, I want to ask you a simple question. Who in your life do you need to show grace to? Now the word grace is an interesting word. It's it's a word that means unmerited favor that you're going to give someone forgiveness and mercy even when they don't deserve it or maybe even when they didn't ask for it. It's an incredible word. We we use that word a lot and sometimes we use the word loosely, but grace is a big word. Grace is something that God has given us. He has lavished his grace upon us. He has forgiven us when we don't deserve it. He has loved us through the highs and the lows in life. And grace is a thing that we can show other people. And it's amazing what happens when we show grace to other people. We also benefit by giving grace to one another because it usually sets us free from bitterness and anger and just unforgiveness towards other people. And so as my brother and I talk today, you're going to see this throughout the conversation. It's just the river that runs through our talk. It's always there out in front of us. Grace, who do you need to show grace to today? Again, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really believe in the power of this conversation that you're about to hear. And so here is my interview with my brother, Dustin Kitchell. Dustin, welcome to the show. I know you're really pumped to be here. I can see it in your eyes. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. I know you're really worried about uh, our voices sounding the same, but you know we're just going to have to get through it, dude. We'll do our best. Uh, I have been told prior to the show that our voices are different, so we'll, I guess, get a better take on that once people listen to this. That's we'll right. see. Well, this is Daniel. I'm Dustin. There you go. There's the difference. All right. So, hey, we're going to start. We're just going to have a little fun before we get serious here. And you have to be honest with these answers. I didn't tell you these questions in advance. Uh Uh-oh. And so you have to tell us what you think immediately. And they can only be short. I don't need any explanations. The audience doesn't care about your explanation. Okay. We just want answers. These are like rapid fire, like, you know, like if you were on a speed date or something or whatever. Family feud. (laughs) Family feud. So. All right, so here we go. Just like right. to break the ice, have a little fun here. So what is the pet peeve that drives you the craziest? Loud chip crunching. Loud. <laughs> percent Crunching in general. Crunching in general. But ice, chip. chips, whatever. I just can't deal with it. I have a problem with it. It's really bad. It's a condition. And it, my, de- my mood obviously depends on how I respond to. So if I'm in a good mood, I normally won't say anything, but... But I'm passive-aggressive about it as well. Just let him crunch away, but about blow my top. Sorry, that was a long answer. All right. Second question, Dustin. What was the last song you listened to on repeat? Oh, wow. This is going to sound really weird. But uh, Just Like a Pill by Pink. What? Yeah. (laughs) Just Like a Pill by Pink. Uh yeah, it's a great song. Great song. Wow. Old song, but a really great song. I I don't know why I I was actually drove Teresa's car one day and I don't have Bluetooth in my truck, and I just jammed out that song like I think three times in a row. So don't judge. (laughs) (laughs) There is a curse word in that song, too. So be uh be be forewarned there. Not kid friendly. All right, here we go. All right. So who was your, uh, growing up, who was your celebrity crush? Oh, wow. Woo. Immediate answer, man. Yeah. I was trying to give her name, uh, on the wonder years. Oh, Winnie, Cooper. Winnie from Winnie Cooper from the wonder years. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Celebrity. Definitely. Yep. All right. What is the first word you think okay. of when you think of saying something in Spanish? Bueno. <laughs> <laughs> I right. know a lot more Spanish than that, though. That's what's weird. It's, yeah. It's bueno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. On a scale of one to 10, how would you say, on one being the worst, 10 being the best, I, how good of a driver are you? I'm a nine. Nine. A really good driver. Okay. Like Rain Man. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. That's right. Good, good Dustin Hoffman quote by <laughs> Dustin Kitchell. All right. Here we go. Um, do you like the smell of gasoline? No. All right. Awesome. <laughs> what is what would be your very last meal on Earth? Uh, very last meal on Earth would probably be crab legs um, from a casino buffet. No, no, not a casino buffet. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I'm trying to think. I've had uh, crab legs from a couple different places, but. Probably like crab town or something like that like right. maybe like a shrimp boil with some with some crab legs crab legs are probably my favorite food group i would say <laughs> your favorite food yeah. group that's good yep all right so you have probably seen the movie toy story before yes there's a character in there dustin his name is woody mhm and you know when you know andy pulls the string woody you know says certain things like there's a snake in my boot yep. or you know whatever he has all these pulling things. When you pull a string, they just, he says these things. So people pulling your string. What are things that you say repeatedly that you're known for? Courtney, like your kids and your family. If you had to pull a string, in your back. Um, oh gosh. Come on, man. Pull a string. I, what am I going to say? Um, my mind is kind of going blank here. I would say that I am uh I, I say uh you can sleep when you're dead I say that a lot because I'm anti a nap taker <laughs> so I always uh, make the the express use the expression uh you can sleep when you're dead I do right. say that quite a bit um I always uh because the trash will overflow too at the house a lot of times and so I'll go around asking people permission if it's okay if I take the trash out because I didn't know <laughs> if they were waiting for something to be thrown out so. That's something I do as well. I'm pretty obnoxious with that, but that's good. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> can sleep when you're dead. Yeah. All right. No, that's sweet. a good one. Yeah. Reach for. How but, true is it though? Right. That's true. <laughs> it is true. Good. All right. Um, right. Let's see here. Favorite holiday. Uh, I would say Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yep. Good. Yep. All right. What is the thing on earth? Not like serious thing, but just thing on earth that scares the living crap out of you. Scares the out on earth, yeah. Just anything on earth that you're just frightened by. Oh, I would say probably weather. I would say, um, I mean, I had a run in with a tornado, that's another uh podcast story, (laughs) but uh, a tornado became very friendly with me. So I, I do have a fear of the weather. I do make fun of the weathermen a lot. Um, but I think deep down, I have a fear of the weather. All right, just don't really show it. I think that's how I kind of get through my anxiety is make fun of the weather, man. Okay. All right. So we're afraid of the weather. All right, here, I think this might be on like my last one for you. Who, um, who's the person in your life that inspires you the most? Oh, definitely my wife. I mean, um, all she's been through the last couple of years with her, uh, breast cancer and, um, healing and recovery and, um, treatment and all that. I mean, she has just been an absolute inspiration just her attitude, her fight, um, her never give up. Um, all that she went through was just honorable. It was um, just amazing to watch and just to see how gracefully she handled all that and um, just fought through it and beat it. And uh, she's been cancer free for yeah. for a long time now. And so we're we're just just thrilled about it. And um, that's she's definitely someone I you know admire and look up to for sure. First person that comes to mind. No doubt. Teresa, we love you. Uh, yep. You're on my list too. Top of my list for inspiration. Nice. It's good stuff. We did good. So I'm going to give you a second. If you want to ask me two speed questions, you can ask me before we move on. Go ahead. What? If you want to ask me anything. Two speed qu- You didn't even give me time to write anything down. <laughs> speed question. Um, you can use mine. <laughs> use yours. Uh, okay. So scale of one to 10. Let's see here. Um, what is, no, no, let's ask Let's ask you a pet peeve question. What is your pet peeve? My pet peeve. Yeah. Is like heavy breathing. <laughs> so, yeah. And that, and that, and that makes it worse when people are crunching and breathing loud. Yeah. So it's like a combo. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. But I, I only say the heavy breathing cause probably my, minus yours is the crunching. Yeah. And I can't do it, <laughs> but the breathing over my shoulder yeah, you know my son Wells. He, you know, he does that all the time. He just sitting next to me, say, like, <laughs> you know, and anyway. But yeah, that's it. Uh, one who, more. Uh, let's. uh, Who's you know who do you admire? What's your, uh, who's someone you look up to today? Hmm. Well, I think first and well, the first person that pops to my mind is um, my good friend Tom Williams. Yes, just as man to man just one of my best friends going through a hard time right now with his wife being sick and recovering and just seeing him model like what it looks like to love your wife through thick and thin. Yep. It's been remarkable to watch. And so he's my hero right now. He's who I'm inspired by the most because I see the love in his eyes for his wife and his wife had a couple of strokes because of COVID and she had a pretty bad brain bleed and, it's just been a rough road, but he has been remarkable standing beside her. Yep. So he inspires me to be a, me- a better man every single day. Yep. So I, t- I agree with that. Hey, absolutely. Well, so we're twins, yep. Dustin. And, uh, you know, you know, I think a lot of times people want to know <laughs> like, what's the, what's the worst part about being a twin and what's the best part. So let's start with the worst part. What's the worst part about being my twin brother? Oh man. It's just the worst part is just, the constant being mistaken for you, um, and it's just, and and that sounds bad. I mean, but if you're if you're not a twin, you're not going to understand what I'm trying to tell you. But when you when you have a person that looks just like you, and then people are always asking you if you're him <laughs> or thinking you're him, it's it's kind of it's kind of bothersome sometimes. Yeah. And my mood often de- times determines how I treat those people that uh, think I'm you. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty, that, that's kind of annoying, but at the same time, it's kind of funny too. Um, cause it just makes me understand how small the world is, you know? Well, we don't even really think about it. Like when we're out in public and people are like staring. Yeah. Like we don't, I don't, I just think of you as my brother, but when we're in public, people do gawk and they're like, wow. (laughs) And we do look different obviously, but when people don't know who we are, they obviously can tell that we're identical twins. Yeah. And I remember one time. I was in Walmart, it was years ago, and this I was getting some something like in the shampoo aisle, and this girl walks up to me, and she's like, eight and a half months pregnant. <laughs> and she's like, Dustin, is that you? And I just rolled with it. <laughs> I didn't even know who she was. I just acted like I was you. She was asking me about my kids, which I didn't have. <laughs> and I just went with oh, yeah. it because I didn't want to yeah. break her heart. Oh, yeah. Because people like, don't believe yep. you when they... They don't. You tell them. So you had a guy one time say, make you get your driver's license out. Yeah. I true? was at a lumber store and uh, he just kept staring at me and staring at me. And it was to the point where it was like, dude, what is your this, this problem here? You know, you want to throw down here or what? But uh, he kept thinking I was you and you were ignoring him, which happens a lot. And uh, I... Uh, <laughs> I finally said, "Man, you want to see my license?" And so I got my wallet out and put my license up on the counter and showed him. And he picked it up and looked at it and looked over at me. And he was still a little bit perplexed. And uh, I don't even think he said another word to me once I showed him the license. But <laughs> yeah, it's some people just refuse to believe it for sure. Oh man, my favorite <laughs> question is, "Are y'all related?" Oh gosh, that's annoying. Yeah, I remember when we were in math class that one year at OU and one of the students asked if me and you were related and the math teacher like went off on her. He's like, that is the stupidest question you could possibly ask. You didn't even ask if they were brothers or cousins. You asked if they were related and he, it was just funny. So yeah. <laughs> I remember when I started teaching years ago, I, I, my first teaching job and I met my neighbor a teacher, his name's Ralph Zebro and hopefully he'll listen to this. but <laughs> He was next door. He came by and said hi to me really quick, and he just introduced himself. He might have been in my classroom like three minutes or so. And he left the school and went to Target and ran into you. (laughs) And you didn't say a word to him. Yeah. You just ignored him. Yeah. And the next day, I go back to school, and he comes busting in my room, (laughs) wanting to know why I was such a jerk to him yesterday. Told him why did you ignore me? When I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I saw you at target yesterday. You acted like you, even know who I was. And I was like, I wasn't at target yesterday. He's like, yes, you were. I saw you. And I was like, I have a twin brother. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was like, yes, I do. And he's like, you do. And yeah. I was like, I, I had to like, I think I got on Facebook and showed him a picture or something. He finally believed me. Yeah. But yeah. man, it happened. I've had to lot. get on Facebook before and show us, show people pictures of, of us together." <laughs> and then, like, oh, okay. I guess it is true. You know, like it's oh, like trick photography man. or something. Wow. Yeah. What's the best part about being a twin? Dust? I think the best part is just how alike we are. I mean, really, I mean, we're, we're, we're obviously very different, but, um, we're very much the same. Um, I think we have the same qualities. Um, just, you know, obviously we look the same, but I think that, um, just our, just the way we conduct our lives, you know, um, the things we believe in, mm. um, the things that we, you know, talk about, um, yeah. there is, there is a little bit of, um, I don't know what the word is. I can never think of the name here, but basically, you know, there's a lot of intuition, I think between us. Yeah. Um, for sure. And I think that's just, that's something that's obviously really unique. And for those of for those of you who are twins that might be listening, you, you can kind of, I'm catching my drift there. What I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say, but yeah, yeah. it's hard to explain it, but yeah. it's there. For it really sure. is. Yeah. There's certainly a, a feeling of mm-hmm. something's going good. Something's yeah. going bad. Yep. There's a connection there. Yeah. There's an absolutely. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. Our poor mom, you know, we, <laughs> we were born in 1979. Oh, And now no, they know how old we are. I know. Sorry. 43, but, <laughs> but my mom, you know, back in 1979, I mean, you didn't, you didn't have an ultrasound unless you had money and you were rich. (laughs) And she found out she was having twins basically like just several weeks beforehand. She was huge. People thought she was having one big baby (laughs) (laughs) because I think our cousin Michael like weighed like 18 pounds or something like a few years (laughs) earlier or something like that. So, but anyway, we ended up weighing almost seven pounds a piece. And so we, my mom had 14 pounds of baby and uh, you were the fat one though. I was. I think I was like two ounces bigger. So (laughs) anyway, but our mom uh, needs a big shout out for giving birth to us. That's big for twins. Seven pounds is huge. Most twins are like three to four pounds. But anyway, we love our mom. And oh yeah. uh, But I think that just uh, one of the great things that uh, it's going to allow us to talk about today is that you know, as twins, as brothers, that kind of have a unique relationship. It allowed us to um, go through a lot of difficult things together. And I'm thankful that we had that oh, yeah. because it would have been very difficult to go through the life and the childhood and some of the upbringing that we had to experience mm-hmm. if we had been alone or not had one another. And so I, I thank God for that every day because there were some really, really um, uncertain times and things that were difficult, but we got through it together and we, we did obviously take a lot of the same path and um, all of that. So that's where I want to kind of go with our talk. And we want to talk about fatherhood today and we want to make sure that we look at it through the lens of what we saw as young kids and teenagers in high school and how that looks for us today as dads. We're both stepdads. We're both dads. Um, We we've kind of done it all. And so that's where we're going to go with this. And so, you know, looking at our childhood and our father and and most um, everybody that's friends and close to us know that we, we buried our dad. His name was Gary at the age of 48, a long battle with drug and alcohol abuse. And uh, so he's not been around in our lives since 2005, but I think we still feel that it's still there, his absence. Um, There's no doubt that it's affected us. And it certainly affected us when we were younger, and he wasn't around because of his decisions and choices he was making. But I want to just kind of go there and start with you know childhood and our father, um, thinking about him and how that affected you and 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 me together, and how it affects us today as dads. And so, you know, looking back at childhood and, and maybe our teenage years, what are some things that you remember most about our dad and and maybe? you know, maybe talk about the good and the bad. Yeah. Where would you start with that? So I, you know, I, I really think that God has kind of healed my, healed my heart in terms of my dad. I, I have a lot of memories of my dad and um, I would say majority of them are, are great memories. Um, Especially when I was a kid, I remember um, just, I loved going over to his house and <laughs> uh, he would, we were probably, you know, I would say 10 or 11 years old and he was letting us drive a car around, you know, <laughs> Um, in Oklahoma city, we would go yeah. out by the river and he would just let us drive. And I just remember thinking, this guy's unbelievable. You know, where'd yeah. this guy come from? You know, <laughs> He's just it's just like uh, from another planet. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I remember he was, we, he was really big into uh, racing at the state fairgrounds with some friends. He was in a pit crew and uh, we were, you know, really good. We And you know, good uh, graces with his friends that he was uh, working for. And, we would go to the races a lot with him on Friday nights and just watch his buddies race. And that was just an awesome time and just cheering for a driver that you knew your dad was the mechanic in the pit crew for. It was just mm. something that I really, you know, took a lot of pride in knowing that he's down there, you know, in the trenches working on those cars. And, yeah, um, you know, God has really put a lot of great memories of my father, especially when I was younger in my heart. Um, I would say, Later in my life, as far as being in high school, you know, there's some some memories that are aren't as good, um, but I, I love thinking about the good things that my that my father did. It just it's obviously uplifting. Yeah, for sure. What, what kind of car were we driving around down by the river? Oh man, it was a tank. Big old boat. Oh man, it was like a Dodge, something like a Cordoba or something. I don't know. It was a tank. <laughs> a, I mean it it was humongous. That um, thing would bounce. Too. Yes. And I remember just, it was such a, just a smooth driving car, but uh, it was a lot of fun, yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Our dad, he, he worked at Long John Silver's <laughs> and so this isn't probably the most honest thing to say yeah, about went, it. But he, yeah. would, he would bring home fish and chicken <laughs> from Long John Silver's and he would cook it for us at his house and fry it up in the iron skillet. It was so, <laughs> it was so dang good. And I remember him just always having that when we came over and he would even make the extra crunchers for us. Yeah, And I, I, he never really explained to us where the, how he got the chicken, but or the (laughs) fish, but it was always there. I'm sure it was just old or something. And he, you know, just wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. (laughs) I also remember where he was living one time and hadn't thought about this. And since now just came to my mind where he was staying like in a camper at someone's house, at Jimmy Boggs's house, oh yeah, yep, and he just was out standing in a camper, and I remember we yeah. how cool we thought that was. Yeah, I don't know why, because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. No. no, you know what I'm just saying. You know yeah. what it reminded me of though? It reminded me of Lethal Weapon. Yeah, and uh, you know yeah. Mel Gibson out there in like, his camper, and oh yeah, thinking that was cool, but it's really, it's really bachelor in life, really in the not camper. cool at all. But. Yeah, I remember sleeping up in that little bitty like nook where it goes over the cab of the truck feeling like I was in a coffin, you know, Yeah, that that was good times there for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, you know, I think back to childhood and I have some, some good memories too, that God's resurrected in my heart for sure. But there's definitely the bad ones as Mm -hmm. well. And we're going to talk a little bit about those in a minute. But I remember when um, our dad came back into our lives around, you know, what would you say? Like a freshman year in high school, probably. And, I remember he came to our house with his girlfriend, Tammy, and he was clean, sober, looking awesome, sharp. But he pulled up in this van. (laughs) That was the most embarrassing van you could ever imagine. And it was one of those vans that was like fully carpeted in the inside. Like the (laughs) steering wheel was carpeted. (laughs) Mini blinds. Mini blinds in it. And the cup holders were carpeted. And, And then on the front of the windshield, you know, across the top of the windshield, there was these eyeballs. <laughs> I don't know what. So it they- looked like the van was alive, man. Yeah. It was, it was like- hair inside and <laughs> eyes on the top. We called it the eyes. Yeah. Man. I remember when, after several weeks of visiting with him, I, I remember I had my girlfriend came with us to his house one time and she got in that van. I was so embarrassed. Sit <laughs> <laughs> Still- <laughs> back there uh, on the floor with no seat belts on the yeah, brown shag carpet. If I remember right, it was very, very loud. It had that, kind of that Uncle Buck, you know, sound to it. Yeah. Maybe the occasional shotgun blast out the muffler or whatever. <laughs> yeah. boom. That was that is accurate. But that that just always sticks out to me as the van and driving around in that thing. And yep. um, but it was really cool when he came back in our lives because he stayed yep. He stayed clean and sober probably four, four or five years, I bet, if I had to guess. Pretty much all the way through our high school career and um, was very involved in watching us play football and supporting us and being down on the sideline. He was always dressed up on the sideline, yep. looking sharp and definitely smelling like Stetson. Yep. And being down there on the field when we ran down and after the game is always there. And um, so those are fond memories that I have of him and I could share more. But, you know, I think any boy, you know, they... They need a father yep. and I don't think there's any doubt that a lot of the issues that I've had in my life and, and issues that you see across the world is a lot la- is an absence of fathers and not having that strength in your life to show you what it means to be brave and confident and to believe in yourself and to do the right thing. And, and I think a lot of our, our young kids are missing out on that. And, and I think that it's certainly been part of our story, but, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, just the fights a lot, you know, yeah. with mom and him and then they could fight <laughs> like they could fight. Yeah. It was not it was never nice. It was not bickering, but it was never without screaming, cussing, throwing stuff, tempers. I mean, it was just part of it. And I just I remember hearing that a lot when I laid in bed and seeing it firsthand in the living room and those memories there for you, too, Dustin. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. But again, I think that, like I told, like I said earlier, it's just, you know, I, it's like, those are kind of on the back burner of my mind with my father, I think that, and my mother as well. And, um, I think God's kind of placed the better memories in my heart, you know, to kind of, you know, obviously be an uplifting thing rather than something that, you know, is going to bring me down or, you know, yeah, you know, make me have ill thoughts towards my father. Right. Um, but again, they're there. I remember them. Right, just try not to try not to focus on those. Yeah, if that makes sense, you don't want to sit here and talk about all the bad no, stuff for forty five minutes, dude. What are you doing? Are you trying to make me cry? I think he's trying to make me cry, guys. Yeah, that's my whole role <laughs> is just to try to get you to tear up and yeah, weep. yeah. Well, I I just know that um, God has done the same thing in my heart too. Even just now sitting here having yeah. the the RV the the you know the camper yeah memory come to mind. Um, He always seems to do that. And, um, but I remember, you know, even after, you know, he passed away in 2005, Mm -hmm. just to show you my relationship with him is that I would always call him, which they tell you not to do when you're pumping gas, (laughs) but I would always call my dad when I was pumping gas. Yeah. And I don't know what, what it was about that, but I would, I would get my phone out and call him while I was filling up. Yeah. And, I remember a couple of weeks after he passed away, I was pumping gas and I pulled my phone out to call him. Yeah, and he had been gone for two weeks, you know. And it just kind of it was a sobering moment for me that it just he wasn't there. Yeah, and but that's how you know my mind worked. It was just a reaction to call him in that moment, and so I try to hold on to the good as well. Yeah, um, and. Have those great memories, but I think the day, the days leading up to him passing away, have forever been, um, you know, just imprinted on my soul. Mm-hmm. And I want to just let you talk about those days for a few moments, and then I will kind of fill in what happened from my perspective. Yeah, but obviously, he had been dealing with massive alcohol and drug problems mm-hmm. had hepatitis C yep had cirrhosis of the liver um just was not healthy yeah but those few days you know before he passed i mean what do you what do you remember back in april of 2005 dustin i just remember how sick he was um that that was that was the thing is is just it, it And I kind of go back here a little bit, like I would see pictures of my father, you know, two years prior to him dying and he looked normal. And then you would see pictures of him at, you know, my daughter's birthday party or whatever. And he just looked totally different. His coloring was bad. Um, he was swollen all the, di- all the, just the things that were taking place in his body because of his substance abuse. But um again, what would happen with my father and it's kind of a repeated behavior is he would Um, He would get really sick. He would, you know, do some, do some things he shouldn't do, whether it's alcohol or drugs. Uh, He would get really sick, go to the hospital, whatever, and then he would get better. And so you get kind of callous to that. And I I did remember, you know, thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, he's going to get in the hospital. You know, we're going to have to go see him. This is this is a nuisance. And um, that, you know, when we went to visit him that last time in the hospital, you just kind of knew. Um, that that was going to be his last time in the hospital. Mm. Um, and, and there was something weird about the smell in the room. That's something I I remember as well. Um, and I think it's, you know, that some people even call it like this, you know, just kind of smell the death happening. And that was a huge, a huge tip off that I knew that, um, this was going to be the end for him. Mm. And the doctor, as you know, you know, even pretty much told us that. Yeah. Well, he, um, you know, he had fallen off the porch, I believe at granny's house. Yeah. Um, he had, you know, his body had gone septic. And so he would hallucinate and not know where he was or what he was doing. So he broke his foot or his ankle. Yeah. And that's what, really did him in was because his body is, had no ability to yeah. f- heal itself because he was so sick. And I remember in the hospital room, pulling back the sheet and looking at his foot, his foot Yeah, and it was just as big as a, a large balloon mm-hmm. and his skin was just bloated yeah. and about to look like it was about to tear. I mean, yeah. was, I know that's kind of graphic, but I mean, that's when I knew he was in trouble too. And I remember driving to the hospital that morning. I was irritated. Yeah. Because I kept, I kept, I was so tired of going up to the hospital and yeah, they're seeing, done that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like just doing it over and over again. Like, here we go. We're going to, you know, drink and do stupid stuff. And then we're going to get well again and apologize and yeah. never going to happen again. You know? Yeah. Just kick the can down the road. And, but you know, I, I do remember when that doctor came in and, and just said, your dad is very sick. And, and we just kind of looked at him like, what is well that? Mean? Yeah. And <laughs> he, but he said, you know, I hope you understand that he's not going to go home today. Like he's yeah. not getting out of the hospital. He's going to die. And that was a pretty sobering moment. I think it was probably four or five hours later that he yeah. took his last breath. Mm-hmm. And it was a painful death for him, too. Yeah. You know, just it was hard to watch. And definitely, you know, it, it's going to forever stick with me. And, and, yeah. So I, I, have those memories in my head. They're, they're certainly there. Um, and you know, it hurt to, to see his choices take his life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I, I just know that, um, I know even as difficult and as hard of a life that he lived and some of the poor decisions he made, he was still loved by so many people. Yeah, definitely. And that was, that was what was incredible mm-hmm. is that he had still hundreds of people that loved him and cared about yeah. him. And I will always remember how full his funeral was and mm-hmm. how many tears were shed. And because people were just heartbroken. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that at all about well, you, you mentioned the word choices and, and I just kind of brought up my kind of ruffled my you know thoughts a, a little bit, but my, he had a girlfriend that was, he was pretty close with, I cannot remember her name, Daniel kind of later in his life. Um, anyway, she, Contacted us um, prior to the funeral, and he had told her that he had wanted the song "Choices" by George Jones played at his funeral. Um, And if you've ever listened to that song, I mean, it is just it is powerful, Um, and it it um, really—I had never heard the song prior to the funeral, but when you listen to that song or you listen to it today, it just really you know stirs up so much emotion when I hear the words of George Jones and just how much they they correlate with, with my father's life because he realized that the choices that he made, I think he really understood that those decisions, those choices he's made, you know, really um, put him in the place that he was in um, most of his life. Um, I think he lived a life with a lot of regret. I really do. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the lyrics of that song, you know, you know, basically say living and dying, you know, with the choices I've made. Yep. And, and he knew that. And I think there was regret there. Yeah. He had gotten to some points when there was no return and he didn't have, he didn't get the help he needed to get over his addictions and his struggles. And it just had a hold of him, but I want to, you know, I want everybody to know this because I think it's important to say is that we believe with our whole entire hearts that our dad's in heaven. Yes. We believe he's with the Lord, and not because of anything that he's done or didn't do, but because I know he, I know I know he was a Christian, and I know he had surrendered his life to Jesus. I talked to him about that many times, and I know that to be a fact. And um, I can't, you know, I can't explain why that never, you know, dominated his life like it should have in a sense of him following Jesus as his disciple and and really, really living that out on a daily basis. But I know he did it at times and Mm. I know that it was important for him in seasons of his life, but that's the nature of addiction Mm -hmm. is just, it, it just, it's hard to get release from it unless you get true help. And he just never did that. But I just praise God that we know that even though he made some really, as you said, choices that on this earth that were really poor, that he's still safe with the Lord yeah. today. And that's overwhelming to consider. Yeah. And that's not, it's like the scripture says, you know, not by works. I mean, it's not, it's good and bad. You, you, you know, it's, it goes both ways. It doesn't go one way. It's not all good. It's not all bad. So my dad, you know, obviously made a lot of bad decisions, made a lot of good decisions, but neither of those affected his eternity. I mean, yeah, that's other right. than, him, you know, acknowledging that, you know, Jesus was Lord of his life and accepted him. And, um, but again, like my brother just said, it's just like, you just said, Daniel, it's just something he could never, never kick. That's right. What what's the kind of my question is like, what do you, what's the one thing that you just felt like our dad did really well for us? What was the thing that you feel like looking back? You just, you've, you've held on to. and Oh like man. Really I'm that. I, <laughs> I like to think I'm a pretty funny person. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty much the funniest person I know. No, I'm kidding. But my dad was very funny. Yeah, um, just funny. I I can't really, just really witty um, off the cuff. Um, I just, I think that a lot of those characteristics that I have, as far as my humor and, and my quick wit and, and things like that, I'm obviously not bragging myself. But <laughs> yeah, <you are. laughs> I think that uh, his, his, he's kind of passed that on to me and, and, and funny stories just just the stupid things he would do he would you know when we would go to the store or whatever he would walk into the living room and hold the keys up in his right hand and cross his eyes and say i'm driving like <laughs> like that's just hilarious to me but you know that's just kind of my humor um yeah and i remember you know sticking my finger in a beer bottle of his and i stuck my middle finger in there and oh i just i thought it was so funny that he told me that i stuck my good finger in there you know that's not really that funny but <laughs> I, I thought, it, you know, I think it's funny. But yeah. It's, um, I think, I think humor is a huge one for me. Yeah. yeah. What That's, about you? Well, I would say that not humor. No, not that. <laughs> my, my first answer is that my, you know, when, when our dad was walking, you know, the, the right way. Yeah. I, I didn't see many people work harder than he worked. Yeah. And he was a worker. He could not tolerate laziness. Yeah doing things halfway and there was a sense of excellence about him when he did things. Uh, my mom would say when he, even when they were early on in their marriage, that he was like a neat freak, mm-hmm. real clean, just everything had to be straight. My aunt, <laughs> my aunt Netta told me once that he would <laughs> iron his underwear Yeah, and he was always pressing his jeans. And so he had this knack for wanting to look sharp and, yeah. smell good and be clean, but he was just a hard worker. He was a painter. He painted houses for a living and he did not mess around when it came to getting the job done. And so I think that's certainly yeah, that's a good rubbed one. off on me and, and on you and mm-hmm. just, we, a good days of hard work is great for the soul. Yeah. And I think our dad taught us that even if it was just in little bursts and of time. Mm-hmm. And I, we saw that. I remember going out to a house one time he was painting and I was watching him mask everything off <laughs> and getting it ready to paint. And I just could not believe how fast he was at getting a house ready to paint. Yeah. That's the hardest job on the job uh, painting is getting it ready. And he would just whip it out like it was nothing yeah. and just zipping it off everywhere and being ready to go. And it was fun to watch him paint. Yeah, And he was very yeah. good at it too. Perfectionist. Yep. Yeah. So I remember those things for sure, That's awesome. <laughs> but you are, you, you are funnier than me. It's cool <laughs> that you brag about it. It's fine. I'm not very funny. I'm kind of boring and yeah. too serious at times, but he was, he did make me laugh a lot. There's yeah, no doubt about for it. Sure. And I, uh, I truly do miss that about him. The most mm-hmm. is, is just his sense of humor because he could definitely uh, make you laugh. So let's talk about us and you know, you, uh, you started your fatherhood journey a lot <laughs> earlier than I did. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think you were 19 when- 20 years old. 20 years yeah, old when yeah. your oldest daughter, Tori, was born. Yep. I'm you know, 40 years old and I have my first one <laughs> 20 years after Way you. Way to go, man. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, if you want to, you know, man, it's just crazy to consider that yeah. there's a 20-year gap there. So, but we- are in the similar spot in the sense that we, mm-hmm. we have these memories and yeah m- models of what fatherhood looked like to us. And um, so I want to talk about that to yeah. be kind of the highlight of our conversation. And mm-hmm. um, so what do you, how do you feel like all of these things have affected you as a dad? You got a daughter, yep. two sons, a stepdaughter. How, how did our dad affect you? as a father, you think the most good and bad. I mean, just in general. Well, I just remember, um, and like you said earlier with the, the tidbits of my dad being in, in, you know, our dad being in our lives. Um, I think that, you know, when he was there, um, he was awesome. Um, and so those little glimpses of hope that he gave us, um, I just remember the feeling of him being on the sideline during a football game. Um, and how, just powerful that was to know that he's watching that game. He's cheering me on. He would even come and say, say words of encouragement to us at halftime yeah. as we're walking up the ramp. Um, yeah. And so I think that me, for me personally, as a father, my, my biggest thing to show my kids and is just that I'm there for them. Um, you know, whether that's being, you know, at their game, at you know, <laughs> Whatever they're doing, um, whether they a lot of them, but they've worked with me before, just spending time working, working together, um, just being there for them in general. I think that's just been a huge thing that I've really tried to instill um, in my characteristic of being a father for them because I love the way it made me feel when he was there. Yeah. And I know that there's a longing for that. Um even though my kids <laughs> might uh, feel differently about that. I know that deep down, they want me there as much as possible. Right. And so I, I certainly tried to do that. Now, that being said, there's a lot of things my father did that I think have made us or made me um, be a better father because I was trying not to replicate what he was doing. Um, and that was yeah. the times when he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he made me feel, um, I, I would never want to make, my kids, uh, feel that way about me. And I've had some very terrible thoughts about my father, but at the same time, I would never want my kids to feel that way about me in any capacity. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Thank test. you. Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, it's really honest. It's yeah. good. I mean, I, you know, one of the memories that's always been burned into my mind is, you know, those several years where, um, our dad was not around after my mom, after he and mom divorced mm-hmm. and we would hear from him occasionally on the phone and he would call and you could always tell that he was at a payphone. Yeah. And you know, this was in the eighties and you can always hear the car zipping by and it was windy and it was loud. And yeah, I remember mom would say your dad's on the phone. And so we would go and she was always really thrilled about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you, mom. But she was at your dad's on the phone and we would go into our sister's bedroom or the, the back bedroom at the apartment mm-hmm. and, and he would be on the phone and, and he would just say, how you doing son? I would say, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. And, and then and we would just sit there in silence. Yeah. Like there was nothing said, there was nothing yeah. he would say after mm-hmm. the initial greeting. And I just remember hearing the sounds on the payphone mm-hmm. and, and then eventually I would say, well, okay, uh, it was good talking to you and good to hear from you. And yeah, he'd hang the phone up and and maybe he'd call again three or four months later and we'd have the same weird conversation, Awkward you know, conversation, just, yeah, or non-conversation. Yeah. And so it was just, I just remember that being, you know, you know, just, it's just something, I don't know how it affected me, but it still affects me, I guess, in the yeah. sense that, there was just silence. Yeah. And I guess for you know, my kids, I just don't want to ever to be silent. I want mm-hmm. to be able to tell them things that matter and speak live to them and and make sure that I'm able to say things to them that matter and can yeah, lift them good. up. And and so I just always want to be able to speak words to them. They're gonna be able to help them grow and yeah. and be there, like you said so well, be there for them and and try not to Allow them to experience anything yeah. that I experienced with him. Yeah, but I think too, I think God's always about to come back. Yeah, and I just remember how excited I was and how proud I was when that freshman year of high school or so, and we get the call. <laughs> that he wants to like, we're being drafted. Yeah. Like, we get the call that he wants to hang out. Yeah. And my mom, it's awesome. My mom just says, Your dad wants to see you. He says he's clean, he's sober. Yeah. And I just remember seeing him for the first time and years, and seen him in years. And I, I could not believe how good he looked. Yeah. And I was overwhelmed by it and I was proud of it. And, and I think that that speaks to me too mm-hmm. because, you don't ever want to give up on people. Yeah. You don't ever want to count people out. You always want to believe that people can come back from the dark things that hold them down and that you can believe in people and give them second chances. Yeah. Not to your detriment or mm-hmm. to a toxic situation, but my dad had proven that he was mm-hmm. trying to get his life together and he yeah. wanted to be a part of ours and and so as a parent today, I just think that's super important to teach our kids that To give people grace and mercy, give them Mm. chances, forgive, move on, try to help people get better, be healthy. Um, Those are things that certainly (laughs) stick with me from him. What were you going to say? Well, I mean, it's just, it was crazy because, you know, back when this would have been 1994, maybe something like that. So there was no (laughs) social media. So my dad was absent. I keep saying my dad, our dad, our dad. Okay. Sorry. Our dad was absent from our life for what, eight years, I guess, something like that. Probably, yeah, give or take. Um, and so, you know, there's no social media. Um, he didn't know what we really looked like. I mean, it's not like my mom's posting pictures to MySpace or, you know, any of those. <laughs> but in, in in all seriousness, when the, I remember we met at the Taco Mayo and Noble, and I was Taco to- Mile yeah, and still open Noble, by the way, yes. And uh, we we met him over there, and I remember him just being absolutely floored how big we were. Um, because I mean, <laughs> we were big. I mean, he was short. I mean, he's like five seven, five eight. Yeah, you know, on well, a good day, yeah, maybe maybe weighed a buck seventy five or something like that. Um, but he just, I just remember him just being floored that we were just so big, bold, and beautiful, and <laughs> handsome, and had legs like tree trunks. You know, all these things. We but did. I, but he was, he was really just. I was, I was just taken aback because he, he just looked like he was just so proud if that yeah, makes sense even good. though he hadn't been a part of our lives for so long i think that he was like wow i had something to do with that <laughs> so that's, that's good um but yeah that was that was just a great moment that i you know i'll yeah. never forget but again the excitement when he called wanting to be a part of our lives yeah it was just it was something that you really wouldn't expect to get excited for but definitely definitely we're excited for for sure noble taco mayo Noble, Oklahoma, the pride of Cleveland County, <laughs> Taco Mayo there on main street in Etowah. We couldn't afford Kindles, So we went to <laughs> Taco Mile. Oh man. Well, I, I remember how freaked out he was too, when he yeah. saw us, how yeah. big we were. Cause we were, you know, we grew fast and I remember how big I was and I was a freshman. I think I weighed, I was already weighing over 200 pounds and we were bulking up for football and Yep, he was just man. Look at y'all! I can't believe it. Yeah, you know, he just was overwhelmed by it. We yeah. were, we had grown a lot since the last time he had seen us, and so since third grade, <laughs> since third grade, yeah, <laughs> put on a few lbs, yeah. and all that. But, yeah. um, I think too for me, Dustin is that I I want my kids, and I've got to do a better job of this. I try to to do this, but I just want my kids, my daughters, my stepdaughters, and my son to know that I'm proud of them. Yeah, and you, you already mentioned that, and I don't think there's anything really more life giving that a father can do than mm-hmm. to say they're proud of you. Yeah, and they're they just look at you and they're in awe of you and they can't believe how amazing you are. And and I I just remember even a few weeks before our dad passed, he he was at church. Yeah, and it might've been two or three weeks before he would leave this earth. And I got done preaching a sermon and he was waiting for me Mm -hmm. um, in the lobby. And he just told me, son, that was a really, really good sermon. Mm -hmm. And I'm really proud of you. Yeah. And there's nobody on earth that could say that to me. And it mean more than him. Yeah. And even though he was in the middle of some bad choices in that moment, he was yeah. at church that Sunday and and I'll never forget that. I mean, just to hear him say he's yeah. proud. And so when I talk to Wells, especially my son, he's turning three this coming weekend, you know, I do try to tell him all the time that I'm proud of him. Yeah. He's a good boy. He's strong. He's brave. And I just try to speak that to him because he needs it. Every little yeah. boy does. And so, man, telling your kids you're proud of him yeah. is just huge. I think that's a huge that's a huge flaw with myself as far as one of my characteristics as being a father is I am, I am so proud of all my kids. Um, all of them, Nolan, Dylan, Tori, Cheyenne, all of you guys. Uh, but I'm really bad about telling them I'm proud of them. If that makes sense. Like I don't, I'm just, it's one of my things. I don't know why I do that, but if they knew how many times I tell other people about them, so at work, mm. um, other coaches I'm around, you know, my, Hey, my daughter's awesome. She just graduated from Oklahoma bad because I've told that story so many times, you know, <laughs> I, I brag on how good a worker Dylan is and, you know, just how good of a baseball player Nolan is and how well Cheyenne's done in school. I tell all these people about, <laughs> about how good my kids are, but I I'm just bad at telling them. So I, I gotta fix that. Yeah. Hey, can you help me, Daniel, <laughs> please? But no, for real. No, it's I don't don't know why that is. I mean, we are very bad about yeah complimenting people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, there's, there's darkness there within us. Sometimes we just don't like to say good things to people. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. We, we withhold compliments Mm -hmm. and I don't know why other than to say that we're just selfish. Sometimes we, we maybe, maybe think we think it makes them feel awkward when we lavish that on them, but everybody just, (laughs) let's just be real right now everybody listening you love it when people say good oh, things yeah. to you yeah. so it doesn't we matter do more yeah we just do and it's just and even when you know the sermons series that we're going through right now at church we're we're preaching through the book of colossians and the apostle paul is writing to the church there but he's he's just laying all this love out on this guy named epaphras yeah and just giving him love he's a prayer warrior he's a you know he's a servant. He's yeah. a minister. He's a hard worker. Yeah, and he's just saying all these wonderful things about him. And I just we got to do the same for other people. Yeah. It doesn't matter who we are, whether we're the apostle Paul, and we're complimenting a church leader in a small town, or we are talking to our son that plays baseball. Yeah, or my three-year-old that's riding his bike in the front yard. Mm-hmm. We just have to lavish compliments on people. We just have no idea how powerful yeah our words are. And we oftentimes just withhold and that's just not what we should do. And I'm confessing that (laughs) I'm I'm the world's worst, but I I can't tell you how many times I've showed videos of like a goal that Tori had or whatever in a game. And, you know, I I talk about more to (laughs) people that she don't even really know than I do with her. If that makes, I just, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Well, beg for your forgiveness, kids. (laughs) They're probably not even listening though. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't have time
0: to listen. to their dad yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was you kind of answer one of the questions I wanted to to bring up. What's your biggest failure as a father? And, and obviously, it sounds like, you know, this <laughs> yeah. withholding compliments and yeah. speaking, you know, words of praise and putting mm-hmm. that crown on their heads of yeah. glory of I love yeah. you is is something we struggle with. I think. You know, I think a bit, a big flaw for myself and I've talked to this, you know, I talked about this before in like a men's group or our Bible study on Wednesday night is I am very, very good at providing, um, things physically, uh, food, shelter, (laughs) uh, clothes. I mean, I'm for real. I mean, I, I, I take pride in being able to provide for my family. That's awesome. Um, working hard, you know, making money and, and all the things that are necessary to put your kids through school, to feed them, clothe them, all those things. I take a lot of pride in that. I, I, and oftentimes I, I Trump that, um, Trump, Trump. No, we can't. I'm sorry. I, (laughs) I, I oftentimes will, uh, Hey, get serious. I'm sorry. Oftentimes I will, I, I kind of starve them spiritually. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'm so focused on, you know, working or making their life better physically that oftentimes I, you know, I, I, neglect the spiritual aspect of it, whether it's, you know, it might, you know, sending them a scripture, you know, praying with them, whatever. And I'm not getting, I've done that, but I've done all that before. Um, but I, it's, it's definitely definitely a flaw for myself is for sure. Yeah. And it's just a worldly thing. I mean, that's what the world teaches you. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's all about, you know, the physical and and taking care of things, but there's such a spiritual aspect that a lot of times we, we neglect. That's a really honest. Sorry about that. That's good. Doesn't I, I would say this too, for me as a pastor and again, please <laughs> still come to church after I say this. Okay. <laughs> if you don't, don't turn off the, the show here, but I, I'm more comfortable leading a church of 200 people than yeah. I am leading my family at home. Sometimes oh, yeah. five people, it's just, I don't, I can't explain it to you, but it intimidates me more to lead my home at mm-hmm. times than it does to lead a church. And I've tried to really understand why that is true yeah. and because I, it doesn't need to be true. My, my home is where it starts. And so my, one of my failures is just that, that yeah. I often am, feel very good at, you know, ministering to the body that I lead. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I struggle to connect those dots at home. Yeah. At, at times, uh, I don't think I'm an abysmal failure <laughs> at all. But I, and my wife would, would, would disagree as well <laughs> in that sense. She's not going to let me be, beat myself up. But I do want to, I do want to be better there. Yeah. And I want to not be so intimidated by those things yeah. and take ownership of that. My, my family's spiritual health. And it just got to be a priority for me. And so mm-hmm. that's definitely something I've got to work on. My other thing, sorry for bringing it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and one of the things that's I've got to work on as well, that I know God's going to, you know, squeeze out of my heart is that I'm, I can be sarcastic with my kids a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to like what the scriptures talk about, about fathers, like, don't, um, yeah. don't be overbearing. You know, don't provoke your children is what Paul says in Colossians. Like, don't do that. And that word there is basically saying, don't, don't make them feel bad about themselves. Yeah. Don't make them feel like they're, they've done something wrong. And I so, so I know for me, I can be <laughs> extremely sarcastic at times. Like yeah, walk in the house. Wow. Wow. <laughs> house looks great. Way to go guys. Way to help your mom out. You know, I I come in with this sarcasm and I know it's not helpful. No, (laughs) that's like me shaming them when they don't take the trash out. You know, it just doesn't. It's that passive aggressive stuff that I do. And I just, I've got to start cutting that out. Yeah. Come on, man. Get your life together. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, man, you're a great counselor, man. Yeah, thanks thank a lot, Dustin. It's really good. You're yeah. really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, it really is something God's convicted me about that yeah. I can often be very sarcastic. And instead of just saying what I want to say, I beat around the bush and I try to joke about it and make light of it. And then before I know it, I'm insulting people <laughs> and everybody's mad and the whole house is uptight and there's tension and it's because of me. And then you got to go spend $60 on it to make it right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Or Bring home, it fi- or is it fifty-seven dollars? Fifty-seven dollars, something like that. It's ridiculous, but anyway. <laughs> so I I feel like that it'd be a good thing because we kind of beat ourselves up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feeling pretty bruised and battered here, yeah. but where 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 do you feel like you've you've grown the most, and where God's really, you know, developed you as a father, and like what is your what's your strength? I mean, I think one of the greatest things that I do, and I'm not going to confess to you that I do it every night, but me and me and my wife, Teresa, we pray for our kids every night. Um, Well, most every night, (laughs) sometimes you just fall asleep, right? Um, There's nothing wrong with that. But um, I think prayer for my kids has just been huge. Um, I think that that's tapping into that spiritual thing that we need to obviously do more of. Um, but I think that behind the scenes prayer for our kids, just protection, guidance, um, knowledge, wisdom, all those things that our kids need in this world um, has been huge. And there's really nothing better than than praying with your spouse. I mean, I, I encourage you if you've not done that, um, it is a little bit awkward at first, but um, it's something that is su- that is very powerful. Um, and me and Teresa try to do that just about every night. And sometimes sometimes. I'll try to fall asleep and she'll (laughs) reach over and grab my hand and I'll be like, Oh my gosh. All right, fine. We'll pray. No. (laughs) Uh, But it's just been great. I mean, just pray for your kids, um, for protection, provision, guidance, wisdom, um, just all those things. That's good. That's good. So what, why do you think we have such reluctance to, to pray with our spouses or our families? What do you think it is? Because it's more personal, I think. You mm. know, you got to get down to the nitty gritty, like Nacho says. I mean, that be be no, but for real, liberate. yeah, you've got to. I mean, it's let's when get <laughs> down to the nitty gritty. When you're preaching to a congregation, or you know, like I, you know, I've taught Bible studies before. It's a lot, like you said, it's a lot easier to do that in a Bible study than it is to you know, sit down with your your four kids and your wife in your living room. Um, It just is. It's facts. I don't. I don't know why, but I think it. I think. I, I do know why <laughs> is that it's just a more personal thing. You know, it's right. Like you're getting down to the, to the bones of it. And, and when things are uncomfortable, you tend to not want to do those things. That's Pretty right. Simple. I mean, so we complicate it. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yep, yeah, Definitely. I thought we were going to quit beating each other up. I know, I know, I know. But you said you're good at that. (laughs) But I wanted to know why we struggle. Oh, I I think a lot of men struggle, including me. Yeah. You know, I, again, it goes back to being intimidated by it Mm -hmm. at times. You feel silly. Like, what's my wife going to think about me (laughs) if I pray with her? She's going to think I'm an idiot. Yeah. She's going to think I'm an idiot or whatever. And we freaking idiot. (laughs) But anyway, I. So like for me at nighttime, a lot of times I'm up later than everybody else. And so, you know, one of the things I do is that, you know, I may not, you know, my wife prays with our kids at night. That's just, they, they won't let me put them to bed. It's that simple. They just won't. Wells (laughs) and Evie will not let me do that. So, but when, before I go to bed, I I pray for them. I go and stand outside their doors often and pray for them. And, and you know, when I get in bed at night, I pray for my wife and, uh, but those things have got to be done you know, more in an audible way. Mm -hmm. And, um, besides the dinner table, which we do every time before we eat, but, but those are big deals. And I think they add up over time Mm -hmm. as you do them. They're just like, you're putting money in the bank and it's a deposit on your marriage and your kids and their relationship. And we just got to put more money in the bank there. I think that's where we really truly do reap what we sow. Agree. So that's your, your strength is just, uh, Think so. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. You want to ask me what my strength is, <laughs> Dustin? Daniel, uh, what is your strength as a father? <laughs> I don't have any, okay? <laughs> well. <laughs> well, I feel like I mean, I'm all about I want to I'm all about teaching responsibility, yeah, and accountability. And I don't know that I'm really great at it. Yeah. But I do I do want my my daughters and it's different, you know, your stepkids are different. I mean, I inherited them in the middle of their lives, you know, they had already had some, some, you know, some of their lives have have been lived already. And because of that, you know, they're, you know, they already have these notions about how things go and, and so it's, it makes it difficult as a step parent. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's been great and Mm -hmm. God's really blessed it. And I'm so thankful for them that Evie and Abby are uh, great gifts that God gave me, but, I really just feel it's my responsibility to teach them responsibility yeah, and to show them what it's like to, to work hard and mm-hmm. to be held accountable. And they often don't like that. And I understand it. You know, we want to get away with things, yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody does, but I want them just to see what it looks like to work hard yeah, and to be held accountable. And I just feel like that my heart is to serve my family mm-hmm. and I really try to operate that way by not being above doing things around the house and, and picking up the towel when it needs to be picked up and doing the little things you that need a made, man. <laughs> I, golly, I was trying to, again, I was trying to be serious there, Dustin, but no, I, I know what you're saying. No, but I just think yeah. I, I feel like that I intentionally try to model being mm. a servant. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem doing the dishes or, you know, helping clean the table off or, you know, going to the laundromat to help my wife get caught up on laundry. That's, that's a true story. I mean, whatever it might be. I mean, I just want to help. I mean, and I think by doing that again, you're putting money in the bank that you can rely upon later. That's going to pay you back. Yeah. Showing those things to them. So I just try to teach responsibility, accountability, and just lead my home by serving. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my heart for my it's good. My wife and my kids. And I, I think I can kind of piggyback on the hard work thing. You know, I, that's something I always want to instill in my kids is to work hard. You know, we, I was taught to work hard by, you know, my, our grandfather, you know, our, obviously our dad, you know, had glimpses of that as well. And right. our stepdad, Jody was a really hard worker and he, you know, he taught us so much about hard work. And I think that love you, Jody. You, yeah. And when you hear about, you know, when you hear people bragging about your son being a hard worker, I mean, that just, that puts a smile on your face. Yeah. It really does. That's, that's really powerful. Yeah, no doubt. Well, what do you, anything else in your heart today you want to share that just uh, you can leave the listeners with uh, just anything we've talked about, about our father, fatherhood, Yeah, our lives, being a twin, anything that you just feel like you, <laughs> Missed an opportunity to say, Dustin, Oh, like I, and I, and you'll have to forgive me for this, but I, you know, I've, I've told this story a few times, um, just in front of the church and a Bible study, whatever. But I think my biggest hurdle with our father, and I keep talking to you talking, like we're not in the same room. It's just <laughs> it's so awkward, but <laughs> I'm right. here. Is dude. uh, yeah, is uh, you know, I, I had this, just, I was harboring this unforgiveness in my heart for, for our dad and it was eating away at me. Yeah. And. Um, Even during that time that my father, our father (laughs) was, you know, away from us, it was tough because I was mad at him, even though he wasn't a part of our lives. Right. And I had just just terrible unforgiveness, disdain, hatred even about our dad. And it was tough. It was it was eating me up. And um, I remember just being just so upset, so mad all the time about it, just having that longing for and being in our lives, and whenever things were going terrible in our lives, that just magnified. I right. you know, hey, there, my dad's not in my life. You know, a car broke down, whatever, and then it, you just start thinking. It just you just pile on yourself. And I remember going to church camp one year, and there was just just powerful uh, week at uh, down in down in Kayamichi down in the Kayamichi Mountains in southeastern Oklahoma, and just having that hatred in my heart. And at the beginning of the camp, we were told to take this marble. And, you know, if it's something that's representing your life that you need to get rid of, you know, just, you know, bring it up to the altar or throw it, whatever you could do. And the last night of that camp, I, I just threw that marble uh, into the night sky um, during a rainstorm. And that, that marble represented my hate, you know, towards our dad. Right. And at that moment, I really just felt that release of the for, the forgiveness that I needed to, to forgive, to forgive our dad. Um, now he didn't do anything for me to offer that forgiveness, but I just remember being ready for him. Um, you know, we were ready for him to come back in our lives. You know, right. if I was still mad or still upset, that was not going to happen. And I, I, I just, I know that God relieved me of that. And so I was prepared for when he was prepared to come back in my life, I wasn't going to provide another hurdle for our relationship, not to excel. So mm. yeah, that was, that was something that God really showed, showed me yeah, for sure. I, I remember that night specifically. Yeah. And I, I remember someone making the comment that after you threw that marble into the sky that night, that, that, yeah. that never hit the ground. Yeah. that God caught that. Yeah. And he rescued you from that, lack of forgiveness and the hate and the anger you had. And he took it from you and that's powerful. And I think it's really important what you said that it's not like our dad was asking for forgiveness, but you still did it anyway Mm -hmm. because you knew that you needed to release yourself from it. Yeah. And even if he had never came back, I mean, I, I still would have had that, um, that forgiveness in my heart for him and that release. So, wow. Yeah. I know I've told that story about twelve thousand times, but it, it's just powerful, and no, it, um, it needs to be told just, twelve thousand times. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a memory that will yeah. never ever leave my my heart and my yeah. soul. Well, in in light of what you just expressed, Dustin, I would like to finish with just saying this to all of the listeners that, you know, being forty three years old and being a husband and a father today. God often reminds me of this truth and I think it's a beautiful truth even though it might be full of pain at times but the truth is this is that many times in our lives we have we have gone through things that have been hard and difficult just maybe so someone else doesn't have to go through it yeah and so I look at my childhood my teenage years even poor decisions I've made. And I have to always think maybe I went through all that. So my son Wells didn't have to, Mm -hmm. or maybe God gave me my stepdaughters because they need a dad. Yeah. Because I know what that feels like not to have one. Mm -hmm. And I know what it feels like to have one that is just not around. Yeah. And I can empathize greatly. So, Wherever you might be today in life, I want to leave that with you that God's never going to waste your pain and he's always going to use it to help other people. And it might just be the kids that are in your home right now. Yeah, You've gone through it so they don't have to. And so that's how I live my life. When I look at my son, I just think to myself, he's never going to have to worry about me abandoning him. Yeah, He's never going to have to worry about me calling him and not having anything to say. Yeah. I'm going to be there for him yeah, and because I know what it feels like to not have that. And so yeah. I'm going to give him my all. So that's my final thought. Anything else? Uh, yeah. Quickly. I, you know, you, we talk about, we just keep talking about our, you know, our father, but you know, when, when, when you look at our lives, there were so many great male figures in our lives that, that filled that gap. Yeah. And obviously we don't want to forget those. My grandpa, Frank, my mom's dad, I mean, this guy was unbelievable. I mean, he definitely filled the gaps in our lives. Um, you talk about <laughs> a perfectionist. I mean, he he really did a great job helping my mom raise us when we didn't have uh, you know our dad around, and then then our stepdad Jody. I mean, he stepped in and did great things for us when we were going through high school and and uh, early in our in our young adult lives as well. And so those guys have just been been great but one thing we can't forget you know and the scripture says in psalm 65 8 it says um, he's a father to the fatherless he's a defender of the widows yeah. and so during that time uh, maybe you're exper- or, you know during our time when we were fatherless if you will you know god was taking care of us you know he's a father to the fatherless and yeah you know if you're if you're experiencing something like that today if your dad's absent from your life if he's you know if he's maybe not here anymore if he's gone too soon whatever that looks like for you, just understand that God is a father to the fatherless and um, he's, he he will be there for you. He's definitely there for us for sure. Outstanding. Yeah. Didn't want to miss shout outs, man. That's good. We have a lot of great men to thank in our lives. And uh, you mentioned two of them, our stepdad, Jody and our grandpa, Frank. Yep. Uh, many ministers along the way oh, in yeah. churches that were there at every turn. Great men that, became fathers for us along the way. And we're thankful for it. Yeah. Dustin, thanks. Does it go unnoticed? That's right. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Mm -hmm. Can't think of a a better way to close it out. So we'll end it there and happy Father's Day, man. You too, man. Enjoy it. Thank Thank you. Love you, buddy. Love you. Thank you for listening to Life and Leadership with Daniel Kitchell. We hope that you're with us again next time as we connect life and leadership today so that you can flourish tomorrow.